The following conversation actually took place between two consenting adults. It does not describe any illegal activity. Getting greeted by a mountain man. What's happening? You got? I'm good. You got the good stuff. Look at that, man. Um, Slap that in the grinder and snort it. Best friends. Cool. That's for you or whoever. Sweet. Um, Buddy's roast. A little bit darker. One Uh, fish Columbia. You can get that away or keep that for yourself. Just stay with me. (laughs) Uh, Baby beans roast. Light roasted Tanzanian pea berry. Oh, cool. So feel free to dig in and yeah. pass it around. Nice. Um, it's a really sharp, sweet... Yes, that was me getting hold of my fix, my Bully Dog Coffee Company, Coffee Beans. Now, you do not have to cruise dark alleys and talk to shady characters to get your coffee fix. You can go to BullyDogCoffeeCompany.com, order your one-pound bag, multiple pound bags. I don't care. Just get yourself some coffee. It's roasted right here in Prescott, Arizona and distributed out of Chino Valley, Arizona by the Bully Dog Coffee Company. And yes, Patrick Bowler is a shady character that lives down the street from me, but he roasts a really good bean and it's a really good coffee. So, um, yeah, get a hold of him on on his website. Don't, uh, Don't drive up Uh, in the middle of the night and have to flash your lights and do what appears to be an extremely shady deal uh, in a dark neighborhood. Just go to Bully Dog Coffee Company. Use the website. And order your coffee like an adult. Not like some degenerate teenager like I did. Yeah, it was embarrassing. Yeah, that was a weird opening. Yes, this is episode number 230, brought to you by Bully Dog Coffee Company. I am Matt Santos, your host. Yeah, we should be in like 250, 270, 300. I don't know. But COVID-19 has stopped us from recording on location. And quite frankly, nobody wants to hear me uh, do this show by myself. But I'm doing it anyway. You know why? Because this is my microphone. This is my website. This is my recorder. You don't want to listen? You don't have to. I'm hoping you'll decide to listen. I'm hoping you'll get a laugh or two. I'm hoping you'll sit back after and go, hmm, that was interesting. Gave me something to think about. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm an idiot. Uh, But you're here listening, so I hope you enjoy it. Now, we got a couple things to cover, and then we'll, we'll, I don't know, we'll do nothing. We'll go back to watching the snow because, yeah, it snowed. I am in Chino Valley, Arizona, about a mile high up in elevation, uh, about halfway between Phoenix and Flagstaff outside of Prescott, Arizona. Now, Prescott sits a little higher than us, and it has uh, a lot more snow than we do. 
So, woke up this morning after a couple of days of drizzle and rain and mud and wind and woke up this morning to about four inches of snow, which uh, is about three and a half inches, no, about four and a half inches, too much snow, in my opinion. I do not like the cold. I don't like the snow. I don't like the wetness. I like hot, dry weather where I can wear flip-flops and shorts and uh, drink a cold beverage. Having said that, uh, I was outside about an hour ago in my flip-flops, and now my toes hurt because of snow. I blame snow for my toes hurting. I do not blame myself for going out in the snow in flip-flops. I blame the snow for touching my toes. That's, that's what, yeah, it's snow's fault. My son is looking forward to the next 24 to 36 hours because they're expecting about... Six to 10, maybe even 12 inches of snow in our area over the next day and a half. I am looking forward to it as well because that means I won't leave the house and I'll be able to sit by the fireplace and watch him play in the snow uh, uh, through my window. Now, a couple things we're going to touch on and then I'll let you go. First off, I tried to do a show last week. I put up a, 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 a Facebook post asking people to contact me. I gave my phone number. I had a block of time. I was going to sit with my recorder plugged into my phone and take phone calls because we are coming up on uh, one year of dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. It, hit, it really hit the news in the fall and winter of 2019. It uh, became apparent that the U.S., uh, our country here, was going to get its fair share of cases in January, and it started getting mounting numbers in February, and then in March is when things really hit the wall, or the fan, however you want to remember, family language, you know, radio-friendly language here. But that's when it started to hit, was coming up on a year. So what I wanted, I wanted to hear from you, listeners, neighbors, friends. I wanted you to call in and let me know how you personally are dealing with the last 12 months. How has it affected you? Now, we have a lot of musicians, artists, comics, writers that have been guests on this show. I wanted to know how you thought outside the box. You know, are you doing Zoom shows? Are you doing uh, Facebook Live? Are you doing recording? Are you taking advantage of this time to write new stuff? How has it affected your writing? Uh, You know, I wanted the personal aspect. Now, as I said a minute ago, I keep this show completely radio and family-friendly in the area of language. So that's what my post said. I have two rules. I want to hear from you, but I got two rules. First, I don't discuss politics on this show because I hate politics. I don't think (sighs) politics by design are meant to pit people against each other, to get people to argue, and that frustrates me. I hate it. So no politics. I know a lot of people think, you know, this is a disease created by one group, fueled by another, and... uh, it's just it's it's amazing that people are politicizing things like being courteous and sanitary. It's like why is washing hands? Why is washing your hands and not spitting on each other considered a political move? I don't understand it. Why is being kind to people looked at as a weakness? Well, it is, and it's it's a shame. I don't understand it. So. 
what I did is I said, I don't want to hear the political side of COVID. I don't want to hear your conspiracy theories. What I want to hear is how you are dealing with it. The other thing I said, I, I, I would like or I require you to use, I, I hate editing, so I don't want to bleep you, so just think about that. Please consider your language, and we, we don't want you to use foul language. Don't swear. Don't cuss. Don't be a potty mouth is what I was telling people. No politics, no potty mouth. Pretty simple, right? Well, first of all, I didn't get a whole lot of calls. I, I, ch- I had about 24 different people call in. I had another seven or eight messages and about 10 texts. They all dealt with the same two things. Don't censor me. If I can't swear and cuss and speak my mind, I don't want to be on your show. Well, then why did you bother to call to tell me that, first of all? I find it sad that if you can't use a four-letter word, a foul language, a potty mouth language, that you can't have a conversation. That's odd. That's sad. That's depressing to me. Uh, To me, that tells me that you are not in a position to utilize your brain and flex your vocabulary muscles. I'm not saying I'm smarter than you. No way. I'm I'm not smarter than anybody. Uh, I know that. But you can't have a conversation without cousin that just makes it's to me that's that's absurd and the fact that you would take time out of your day to call me and tell me that is very odd and i think you just need you people need a big hug i had about eight nine of those it was ridiculous the vast majority well over 15 calls and messages The vast majority of them were, how can we not politicize this issue? Coronavirus is only a political issue. Now, think about that. It wasn't people on one side saying it was created by the other. It wasn't people on the other side saying it's being perpetuated by the other. It was both sides saying the only reason we have coronavirus is because of the other guy. Think about that. It's not because we're idiots and didn't wash our hands for our entire life. Evidently, nobody washed their hands until 2020. It's ridiculous. Nobody thought spitting on somebody else while they talked. And, and hey, trust me, if you've ever been within five feet of me in a conversation, you know I should be handing out towels when I have a conversation because I'm I spit all over the place that's I'm, an, I'm a, an uncouth slob I know that I come on if if those things not spitting on people when you talk and washing your hands regularly are a political issue that's why I hate politics that's ridiculous so I could I didn't do a show last week because nobody would talk about how this was affecting them personally. And I thought that was sad. It's like, I want to know how you're dealing with school, how you're dealing with work. And they couldn't do it. They could only complain and point fingers at the other guy, the other side, the neighbor down the street. I don't care about that. I want to know how you and your family and your business and your circle of friends are staying in touch and staying emotionally 
happy and stable and physically happy, stable, and healthy, and how you are dealing financially with this. And they couldn't have that conversation without blaming somebody else. I just don't get it. It's frustrating. It's anger. It angers me. So I don't, I I just, it's so frustrating. Let's be good to people. Be nice. Be considerate. Put others' wishes and desires above yours for a minute or two. That's all I ask. I don't even know who I'm talking to because I'm sure all of you tuned out already. I hope you didn't, though, because we're going we're gonna to do this again. Now, again, like I said, this is brought to you by Bully Dog Coffee Company, bullydogcoffeecompany.com. I have another pound. I got to deliver a pound of coffee, a coffee mug, and some stickers to Richie Merck, who sponsored last episode, because he gave us a donation for the Howling Coyote Radio Hour. Oh, let me put it up here. Rich Dog Radio, I think, is what he is. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to edit this. No, I'm not going to edit this out. I'm an idiot. I told you already. Podbean.com. Log in. I really should learn how to use the pause button on this so you don't have to hear me. Okay. (laughs) I figured out how to use pause. That's pretty good. Richie (laughs) Murray. I'm an idiot. Richie Merck is our sponsor from last week, and he has a podcast, Dreadnought. D-R-E-A-D-N-O-T-928, 928 being our our area code here, Dreadnought 928, where he talks to his family, talks to his friends, plays some reggae music, and just kicks back. He is our sponsor from last week, and I got a chance to deliver to him. um, Make sure I record it. Am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's still working. Okay. I got a chance to deliver to him a uh, pound of coffee, some coffee, uh, uh, a coffee mug, and some stickers for both myself, the Mile High Show, and, uh, and uh, Bully Dog Coffee Company. So this is what you got now. This is what, stay, stay, stay with me here. You too can win a pound of coffee. We're going to have another contest, a pound of coffee, some stickers, and a coffee mug by doing this. Now, in line with this... Uh, the coronavirus pandemic that I was just talking about. The, hopefully it's all going away soon. Don't know. But it might be because the vaccine is among us. It is available to us. Now, not everybody, obviously, but it's available to some of us and soon to be widespread. But this coming week, it's Sunday right now on Wednesday, I have an appointment through one of my jobs to um, go get vaccinated. So I signed up for it, did a little research, and now I'm getting a little scared because, uh, well, just because I'm an idiot. Wednesday, I go in for my vaccination, the first round of a two-round vaccination. I think I go back in like two weeks or something, 28 days, four weeks. I don't know. They gave me a list. I, I don't know. I don't know if I want well, side effects. There's I, I might grow another head. I don't know. It might kill me. I, I have no idea. So... I'd be glad you're listening to this because this very might very well might be the last Mile High Show podcast if I uh, if I get this vaccine and die on Wednesday, or or maybe maybe I get the vaccine and I get really sick and um, and I get sick and uh, and then next week when I'm doing the show I'm I'm on my deathbed and I'm I'm talking to you through. The last gasps of breath, but I, I get the strength to hit record. And then my last words 
on this earth are going to be so profound. People will make bumper stickers out of them. Maybe Patrick will get will do a a Matt Santos memorial coffee bean and it'll be dark and bitter like my heart. That would be good. The reason I bring this up is because what I want you to do to win your free pound of coffee beans is I want you to go to milehighshow.com, go to the Contact Us page, and write my obituary. Or you can email me at info at milehighshow.com and email me your obituary for me. And whoever gives me the best obituary, the best send-off, is going to get a free pound of coffee, some stickers, and you know what? You can stick them right on my casket. No, I'm not. I'm getting uh, cremated, so you can put it on the urn. Uh, and a free coffee mug, so that when you're drinking the Matt Santos Memorial Coffee Beans, which are dark and bitter like my heart, you can drink them out of my coffee mug by writing me the best obituary you can. So, I may die Wednesday, and if I do, I want you guys to remember me and remember all the good times that we had. Normally, those good times uh, are associated with times I'm not with you. It's always, oh, you should have been there. We had a great time. So, um, I'm not saying the good times that you're going to talk about have to do with me, I think they should all revolve around the things and the events in your life I missed, that they were good because I was not part of them. How's that? That's a good one. But anyway, write a good obituary, win yourself some coffee. I I think this is fabulous. This is a great... Remember the old Mark Twain... uh, uh, Tom Sawyer, I think. Was it Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn or maybe both of them together who everybody in town thought they were dead and and they got to see their own funeral this is great. I get to witness my own funeral by reading the obituaries you're going to write about me. This is truly a gift that you are giving me and that I, in turn, are giving you the gift of being able to memorialize my life in word, maybe in song. Maybe somebody can write a good song. Hey, Sky Daddy, write me a good song about my death. That'd be great. Maybe that could be the new theme song for whoever takes over. I haven't done a will, but somebody's getting this recorder, and uh, they'll they'll be able to carry on my life's work. Why did I bring all this up? Well, one because I'm surprised. I'm I'm sure many of you are surprised. I'm even still alive. Um, I click off every checkbox of should have been dead the first week of coronavirus. Uh, past lifestyles, my weight. Uh, my bad sleeping habits, uh, everything, everything. I should have been dead by April 3rd at the latest. But here I am, still kicking. So I bring it up because of that. I'm getting the vaccine on Wednesday. Uh, Don't know if I'm going to survive or not. And uh, so you, you better get those obituaries in soon. The other reason I bring it up is because of a term that has always fascinated, always, that's fascinated me for several years now. It is the term egobituary. Have you heard the word, the term egobituary? Now, what that describes, and I don't know who coined it. It definitely was not me. I don't know who coined it. 
but it is the ability or the process when somebody, anybody, takes the death of someone famous and makes it all about them. And you see this a lot, you know, when Prince died. You know, yeah, it's great to remember the person and honor their art, but you know what's even better than that? Honor their art when they're still alive. Anyway, that's a little off point, but it's when somebody takes the death of a famous person and makes it very personal about them. Prince was one, David Bowie. Obviously, music affects a lot of us, but it takes some weird turns. One that may get some of you upset is about this time last year when Kobe Bryant died. Now, I'm not a Lakers fan at all and not a basketball fan very much. And I was amazed at how personal people took the death of Kobe Bryant. Now, I did a stand-up show um, like four days after, five days after he died. And uh, sadly, (laughs) I made... I had a Kobe Bryant joke in there. It wasn't that bad. Some people were getting really, really uh, uh, canceled, that cancel culture based on on Kobe Bryant jokes. Mine wasn't that bad. I just made a comment that, you know, it's sad that he died, and obviously it was really sad that his young daughter died. But the joke I made was, but if you got to go, I mean, helicopter crash, that's pretty, that's a pretty awesome way to go. You know, if you got to go, when you got to go. Helicopter crash, you know, what's the flip side? You know, trying to stand up too fast from the couch. That's kind of how I'm going to go. Elvis died sitting on the can, you know. There are worse ways to go than than helicopter crash. That was the basis of my joke, the story. Did not go over too well because it was so close. Maybe just because it wasn't funny. Anyway, um, I think what one one story that really epitomizes ego obituary is uh, a comic that some of you may or may not be familiar with, uh, Jimmy Pardo, comic and writer. He has the Never Not Funny podcast. He tells a story about when uh, Dennis Farina, the actor, uh, former Chicago policeman turned actor, died. And Jimmy Pardo grew up and was raised in the Chicago area. And when Farina died several years ago, Pardo talks about one of his childhood friends on Facebook made a post. (laughs) Not tongue-in-cheek, serious post. says, Dennis Farina, rest in peace. This one's especially hard. My cousin used to work for his uncle. Okay, your cousin used to work for his uncle. You're not even in this conversation, guy, and you're making it all about you. That is ego-bituary to, its, to the T. Now, this past week, uh, we lost a couple of major names in pop culture and in our, in our uh, lifestyle, that of being Hank Aaron and Larry King. Now, Hammer and Hank, Henry Aaron, obviously I knew who he was. He was famous, but in my mind... He wasn't even a real person. He wasn't a real character. He was mythical. When I thought of Hank Aaron, I thought of DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, you know, the the Mount Rushmore of baseball. I I was alive when he played, obviously, and I knew the the clips and the the highlights. But he wasn't a real person in my eyes because he was so mythical. 
And part of that was my age. Part of that was the region I grew up in. But to me, he was this larger-than-life ball player like Babe Ruth, DiMaggio. You know, they were, they were just legends. I grew up watching who also are legendary players, you know, uh, Catfish Hunter, uh, Vita Blue, Reggie Jackson, uh, the Bash Brothers later on, you know, uh, McGuire and Canseco, Ricky Henderson, Billy Martin. I, you know, I got to meet these people at, you know, before the game, going to A's games. Willie McCovey, who was one of the greats. Uh, Willie Mays, just a hair before my time of being aware, but I got to watch Willie McCovey play. He was my favorite giant of all time. And then he came to the A's for a little bit. But these were real people extraordinary athletes, but real people, even musicians. I got to see a lot of legendary musicians in person play. So I, you know, when, when they, when, when famous people die, I, you know, yeah, I feel it. I feel sad. I start remembering, Oh, that song means this to me. This, I remember watching this game, watching Ricky steal these bases, watching Reggie hit a home run, you know, uh, I remember those things, but when these people die and when, when musicians I've been huge fans of or actors die, it's sad, but I'm like, oh, you know, hey, that's sad. It doesn't, I think the closest one to really hit me, uh, John Belushi, and that's because I, a huge comedy fan, and then later in life, I mimicked a lot of his behavior to the detriment of my health which is why people are surprised I'm still alive. So when I see documentaries or, or things, read books on Belushi, I, it's personal, you know, because of the lifestyle that I led, led in the past and what he meant to me as a, as a preteen and teenager. But uh, I don't make, you know, it's like, ah, you know, it's, yeah, it's sad. Um, one that really, really threw me was a few years ago. That, and I, it's Paul, Paul Walker the, from the Fast and Furious movie. People acted like their brother died. And it's like, did you ever meet this guy? No, but he meant a lot to me. One, I've never seen any of those movies. I don't understand how that people people were posting like, like their best friend or uncle or nephew died. And I was like, well, just, I, I, I don't get it. I just don't understand those type of posts. Now, here comes the big but... But this week, yesterday as a matter of fact, when I saw the news that Larry King died, I was surprisingly, no more surprised than anybody, I was surprised at how it affected me. I read it as I sat at the table drinking my Bully Dog Coffee Company coffee, plug number 10 there, thanks Patrick, you're welcome, Um, when I read that Larry King died, I was very surprised at how sad it made me. And it kind of shook me. I was like, what's, what's wrong with me? Then I got to thinking, and then I broke my role of this obituary, and I posted an obituary of my own on, uh, on Facebook. And I'm going to give you a little summary of it, why it meant so much to me to hear Larry King. And I, to be completely honest, haven't seen him 
or heard him do an interview in 25 plus years. I So it's not like I, I'm a fan that just followed everything he did because quite frankly, he looked kind of creepy, especially on those suspenders. He was just odd. He was uh, kind of an odd person. And then his personal life was definitely not something that uh, that I would want my child to mimic. But growing up at the time that I did, I was a news kind of junkie. I loved interviews. Uh, I was a huge fan, as everybody else, of The Tonight Show. I have great memories of watching that show with my dad when I was very young. Uh, you know, Friday nights or during the summer when we didn't have school, we would, that was a big treat, getting to sit and watch Johnny Carson with my dad when I was five, six, seven, eight years old. I love the comics. I, Rodney Dangerfield on there, Buddy Hackett, they, these guys, Don Rickles. But I didn't enjoy, I enjoyed watching them perform and doing their stand-up or whatever they're doing. But to me, the big treat was watching them when they would go sit on the couch. Now, granted, in hindsight, I know it was all scripted, but to watch them banter back and forth, or comics, Jay Leno in his early years, uh, David Letterman as a young comic, uh, Richard Lewis, these comics that I really enjoyed watching, sitting down with Mike Douglas, with uh, Merv Griffin on the couch, that was to me like what podcasting became. And that's why when podcasting came about, that's why I enjoyed it so much, because it was not the act. It wasn't the the bits. It was the conversation that they would have. And Larry King did that in the mid and late 70s through the 80s. He had on mutual broadcasting, he had his Larry King show and the Coast to Coast and uh, Open Phone America, where he would interview comics and and celebrities, and athletes, and coaches, and authors. He would interview them for an hour or so. Then he would just talk by himself in a radio studio for an hour or so. Then he would open up the phone lines, and anyone can call in and talk about anything they wanted. Now, I was on the West Coast, and I re- I'm my brain is not working, because I was always a night owl, but I know I used to listen to it live, And I think he was doing it out of Washington for a while, or maybe always, and then maybe he went to L.A. and did it. I don't remember, to be honest with you, because sometimes I would listen live, which meant I was probably up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, And then if they were running it live on the West Coast, it was probably midnight and then, you know, 3 or 4 in the morning on the East Coast. I don't remember, to be honest with you. But I remember listening to it throughout the night. And I called in several times, got through a few times, and I was fascinated by Don Rickles telling stories about when he was, you know, opening for Sinatra. I was fascinated by Larry King talking about his interactions years before with Jackie Gleason and Lenny Bruce. So I would call in knowing these stories and having read Larry King's biographies and his autobiographies and a couple other books that he had done. And I, the few times I did get through, I would ask him questions about stories I already knew by heart so I could hear him tell them again. And I remember one time I called in, and it was probably midnight, 1 o'clock my time, and, uh, and he laughed at me. 
And he says, how old are you? And I, this is on air. And I said, I'm 13. And he goes, why is a 13-year-old kid listening to me on the radio in the middle of the night asking a question about a comic who died decades ago? <laughs> I was asking about Lenny Bruce. And then he told a Lenny Bruce story. And I laughed, and I loved it, and I hung up, and that was the highlight of my month. I'm still thinking about it. What, 40 years later, 41 years later? That's what Larry King meant to me. I was able to listen to him in the middle of the night with all the lights off, with the headphones plugged in my ears, and I was thinking in my mind what his radio studio looked like and what he looked like and what his guests were wearing. And then he came to TV on CNN and the theater of the mind was gone. And I was staring at an old man with big glasses with weird looking suspenders. And it just wasn't the same for me. But for that six, seven, eight years that I listened to him almost every night, it was a Monday through Friday show, midnight to 5 a.m. East Coast, I think. I was fascinated. I used to love listening to it. And I loved it. And at that time of my life, I was reading columnists like Herb Cain and Steve Rubenstein out of the Car uh, Chronicle in San Francisco. Ray Orock, who was a columnist in, uh, in the Daily Review, Hayward Daily Review paper that was land on my porch, my, my driveway every morning. And they would interview and talk about not just celebrities, but anybody and different interesting things happening around town and telling little stories. It was written podcasts, and I loved it. And I always thought, that would be cool. Wouldn't it be cool to write a column like that? And then many years later, that's what I did right here in the Prescott area for a number of years. I wrote a weekly column. And then Larry King used to tell stories about when he was a young radio personality in the late 50s, early 60s in Miami, and what he did, it was in a hotel, I believe. It was Pumpernick's Restaurant, which I think was in the lobby of a hotel, one of the big resorts in Miami Beach. And he did a morning radio show where he lugged suitcases of gear and set it up in a table. And he did a live broadcast. And he would interview a cab driver or a busboy or the bartender and just talk and look out the window and talk for a few hours. And then every once in a while, somebody would sit down and he would interview them. Not famous people, just people working, talking, guys getting off work, cab driver getting off of a 12-hour shift through the night. And he would just talk. And then he would look out the window and he would talk about what he was watching out in the street. At that time, big, huge, internationally famous Comics and musicians and singers would have residencies in, uh, in the resorts of Vegas, Atlantic City, and Miami Beach. And at that time, one of the biggest stars in the world, Jackie Gleason, would do a variety show every night in, uh, in one of the hotels on Miami Beach. And Jackie Gleason was known for being a, being a lush, drinking all night long. So he would get done with his variety show at night in the nightclub, go out drinking, and then he would go to Pumpernick's and grab breakfast before going to bed. Jackie Gleason would. And Larry King would talk about these times when he would be sitting in Pumpernick's at a table doing his show, 
talking to nobodies or talking to himself, talking to the listeners while staring out the window. And Jackie Gleason wanders over and asks, what are you doing? And he would sit and talk with him. So here this uh, regionally known radio personality is talking with one of the biggest stars in the world. And then Frank Sinatra would pop in every once in a while after doing a concerts at the nightclubs and Bobby Darren and these big comics and personalities. And then the next, you know, five minutes later, he's talking to a cab driver and then he's talking to nobody. And then two days later, Jackie Gleason sitting down with him again and then Sinatra. And I was fascinated by that. When I used to watch, when I used to listen to, to Larry King's show, I would, in my mind, I, when he would tell these stories, I was thinking how cool that would be to do this show, just set up a microphone in a window. And I used to fantasize about that. I thought that would be so great. And then, like I said, many years later, after following, you know, Ray Orock and Steve Rubenstein, Herb Kane, Dave Barry, these columnists that I enjoyed reading every day or every week, Years later, I had the opportunity to write a column where I would make stuff up. I would tell what was going on in my life. I would interview people around town, and I loved it. It was I, I did the rest of the work just for the opportunity of doing that column that I did for a few years. And then after I left that newspaper, I started doing a weekly, and then it went to monthly, it's monthly now, radio show where I interview whoever I want you know, local issues, still doing that at KQ&A, started that in 2013. And then in 2014, I got myself this little Zoom H6 recorder that fits in my pocket, plug in a few mics, and I can do this podcast and talk to anybody I want, anywhere I want. And I've always wanted to mimic Larry King's Pumpernick's restaurant and get a one restaurant. Whiskey Rose got so many great spots. The Hotel St. Michael's, the Bistro, Brick and Bones we did. And I would do these periodically where I would set up in a window and just start doing a podcast and interview people. But I never got the residency making a a a home base of doing like once a month, once a week where I just do this talk show. And I've always wanted to, and I told some of the folks that I work with that, hey, this is a great idea, and we've tossed it around, and I would always reference that, just like Larry King did with Pumpernicks. And I just never did it. I would do a few here and there, but I never did it on a regular basis. And you know, I really want to. And I think once things open up a little bit and we're able to get out and do these live events, live shows, live performances... I think I'm going to do that. And why I want to do it is because yesterday I read that Larry King died. And it reminded me that what fascinated me about this business, this business of communication as a 12, 13, 14-year-old boy sitting alone in my bedroom listening through headphones of Larry King interviewing Tommy Lasorda and telling stories of growing up in Brooklyn in the 30s and 40s, and telling stories about talking to a cab driver at 9 o'clock in the morning after that cab driver's been up for two days, and sitting down in that same restaurant right after that cab driver left and talking to the biggest celebrity in the world 
at the time. I thought about that's what I wanted to do. Why didn't I do it? Why did I do it a few times, loved it, and then never follow up on it? So that's what I want to do. I want to take this Mile High show and I want to start doing a sitting in the window at a table. I did it several times at the Raven. Maybe the Raven will let me do that again. They got that little table in that little pop out on the sidewalk that's glass encased. Maybe a table at the bistro at the St. Michael's. Maybe anywhere and just set up once a month. Let's start monthly. Well, once once a month, I'll set up. And if you want to stop in and talk to me, we'll plug in a second mic and we'll talk about your life and what you're doing and how you got to where you are and where you want to go from here. And if any of you musicians want to pop in and play us a song, tell us a story, read us a poem, tell us a joke, we'll do that from whatever the Pumpernicks on Whiskey Row or in Prescott Valley or in Chino Valley, whatever our local Pumpernicks will be, I'm going to do, I got to do it. I want to do it. That's, I, you know, who knows? I'll probably be dead next week. So, you know, I get that shot of poison in my arm to fight off the other poison and both poisons are going to kill me. I don't know. So if I survive this week, if I survive Wednesday's vaccination, I promise you this, that in the coming weeks, the coming months, I am going to start doing a regularly scheduled podcast at a regularly scheduled recurring location interviewing regular people. The Mile High Show, the Mile High Podcast regular show. Maybe that's what we'll call it. So if I survive this week, that's what we're going to do. But in the meantime, if I do not survive... I need to get your obituary, so I need you all to write me an obituary. Email it to me at info at milehighshow.com or use milehighshow.com and the uh, Contact Us page and send me your obituary of me, your ego obituary. You're going to tell me what an impact I had on your life, and that impact could have been that you've never met me, and your life is much better having never have met me. How's that? Or maybe, um, ah, maybe I borrowed money from you at one point, and then out of embarrassment of the fact that I've never paid you back, I've never contacted you again, because that's happened, and your life is way better because you have not had contact with me in like 20 years. I don't know. Maybe, just maybe, I have had a positive impact on your life. And if not, make up a story. Those made-up stories are probably better than anything I've ever done in my entire life for real. So this is your homework. This is your call to action, your CTA, your call to action for the Mile High Show listeners. Write me an obituary for myself. And the winner of the best obituary for Matt Santos gets a free pound of coffee, some stickers, and a Mile High Show coffee mug. Because, uh, you know, I may not be around next week. 
So get writing. Submit them. And uh, if I'm around, I'll read some next week. From the nation's capital, Mutual Radio presents The Larry King Show, Network Radio's most listened-to coast-to-coast talk program, featuring guests from around the world and calls from all across America. And now, Network Radio's number one interviewer, Larry King. Thank you, Fred Larry, and good evening, everybody. On this Friday night, Saturday morning across America, this is The Larry King Show, coast-to-coast on Mutual, our very special guest.